listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Making a Difference. Hello my radio friends. I'm pleased you've joined me today and I hope as you listen that you'll learn more about that wonderful book, the Bible, and the truths it holds. Today, to start, I want to share a story with you. Once upon a time, while walking along a beach, an elderly wise man saw someone in the distance leaning down, picking something up and throwing it into the ocean. As he got closer, he noticed that the figure was that of a young boy picking up starfish one by one and tossing each one gently back into the water. The elderly wise man came closer still and called out, Good morning. May I ask what it is that you're doing? The young boy paused, looked up and replied, I'm throwing starfish back into the ocean. The elderly wise man smiled and said, I must ask then, why are you throwing starfish back into the ocean? To this the young boy replied, The sun is up and the tide is going out. If I don't throw them in, they will die. Upon hearing this, the elderly wise man commented, But, young boy, do you not realise that there are miles and miles of beach and there are lots of starfish all along it? You can't possibly make a difference. The young boy listened politely. Then he bent down, picked up another starfish, threw it back into the ocean past the breaking waves and said, It made a difference for that one. We often think we're too insignificant or too unimportant to make a difference. We couldn't be further from the truth. So can I encourage you to take the time to do something that will make a difference to someone else's life? It doesn't have to be much and they don't need to know. Just take a moment. Do something special. God will know, and that's enough. Helen Keller wrote, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. I will not refuse to do something I can do. There are many people in society whose lives seem empty and hopeless. Some of these people you'll see at the supermarket, maybe at op shops, sometimes on buses, and of course, and especially at medical clinics. We live in a world where people expect quick fixes, for that's what happens on television. In the space of an hour or so, as seen on TV and movies, someone might be in terrible trouble. But by the end of the program, everything comes right again and they live happily ever after. But the real world is different. 
I suspect many sick and depressed people go to the doctor expecting that the medicine or pills the doctor prescribes will make everything okay in a very short time. And then there are those who try to mask the problems they have by turning to alcohol or drugs in order to blot out the real world and its problems. But alcohol and drugs are not the solution. When their effects have worn off, the emptiness returns and so there is a need to take more alcohol and drugs and by so doing, they exacerbate their problems. So many people have no peace within themselves. Many have a poor sense of worth. About 20% of all Australians are depressed and feel unworthy. Some commit suicide. Others just struggle on, hoping to come good someday. Now, I've said this before, but I feel that the teaching of evolution which states that mankind came from some slime in a pond does not inspire anyone. It is a worthless, depressing teaching, and in my opinion, it's totally wrong. The evolution theory of belief gives no sense of worth or hope. The Bible, on the other hand, teaches that man was made in the image of God. In Genesis 1.27 we read, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. <laughs> There's no monkey business in that statement. Now you might be lonely, sick, depressed and perhaps even feel worthless. But cheer up, my friend, there's hope for you. You see, there's someone who cares for you. While you may not know who he is, and while you may wonder how he can help, and you may also wonder how he knows anything about you, but I want to reassure you that he knows you very well. Who is it that can help? It's Jesus, the Son of God, who is God and put aside his glory in heaven and came down to planet Earth to save you and others like you. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said something that many people have found to be so reassuring in their lives. He said, Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, Jesus makes the difference. When you realise that he came to make it possible for you to have forgiveness, and when you ask for and receive that forgiveness, you will have peace. Jesus called that peace, rest for your soul. 
Please also be aware that by talking to you today, I hope to make a difference by helping you realise that God loves you and wants the best for you. And before going on any further, I want you to know that we would like to pray for you, that you might have forgiveness and peace. We would like to pray for you whatever is your problem. All you need to do is to make contact using the contact information given with each program and share what's bothering you. Then we can pray specifically for you. Don't be afraid to contact us. You don't have to identify yourself. But if you do, don't think that you'll have someone knocking on your door to try to talk you into something. No, friends. What you share with us is between you, us and God. And I can tell you from personal experience that the peace that comes from the Lord is very special and I want you to have it. I want you to know that you are valued and I want you to experience the joy you can have by linking your life with the Lord. Now, I want to share with you a second story. It's about Mrs. Thompson and Teddy Stoddard. As Mrs. Thompson stood in front of her fifth grade class on the very first day of school, she told the children an untruth. Like most teachers, she looked at her students and said that she loved them all the same. However, that was impossible because there in the front row slumped in his seat was a little boy named Teddy Stoddard. Mrs Thompson had watched Teddy the year before and noticed that he did not play well with the other children and that his clothes were messy and that he needed a bath. In addition, Teddy could be unpleasant. At the school where Mrs Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's past records and she put Teddy's off until last. However, when she looked at his file, she was in for a surprise. Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He is a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student, well liked by his classmates, but he is troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home must be a struggle. His third grade teacher wrote, His mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest and his home life will soon affect him if some steps aren't taken. Now Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends 
and he sometimes sleeps in class. By now, Mrs. Thompson realised the problem, and she was ashamed of herself. She felt even worse when her students brought her Christmas presents, wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper, except for Teddy's. His present was clumsily wrapped in heavy brown paper. Mrs. Thompson took pains to open it in the middle of the other presents. Some of the children started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle that was a quarter full of perfume. But she stifled the children's laughter when she exclaimed how pretty the bracelet was, putting it on and dabbing some of the perfume on her wrist. Teddy Stoddard stayed after school that day just long enough to say, Mrs. Thompson, today you smell just like my mum used to. After she left, the teacher cried for at least an hour. On that very day, she stopped teaching re reading, writing and arithmetic. Instead, she began to teach children. Mrs. Thompson paid particular attention to Teddy. As she worked with him, his mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. By the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest children in the class, and despite her lie that she would love all the children the same, Teddy now became one of her teacher's pets. A year later, she found a note under her door from Teddy, telling her that she was the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. We're going to stop here, and we'll go on with the rest of the story straight afterwards. When I think of how he came so far from glory Came to dwell among the lowly such as I To suffer shame and such disgrace On Mount Calvary Then I ask myself this question Who am I? Who am I? A king would bleed and die for Who am I that he would pray Not my will die Answer I may never know Why he ever loved me so That to an old rugged cross He'd go for who am I? 
When I'm reminded of his words I'll leave you never If you'll be true I'll give to you Life forever I wonder what I could have done To deserve God's only son To fight my battles Until they're won For who am I? Who am I? The king would bleed and die Not my will, thy Lord The answer I may never know Why he ever loved me so That to an old rugged cross he'd go For who am I? To an old rugged cross he go For who am I? Six years went by before Mrs. Thompson got another note from Teddy. He then wrote that he had finished high school, third in his class, and she was still the best teacher he ever had in life. Four years after that, she got another letter, saying that while things had been tough at times, he'd stayed in school, had stuck with it, and would soon graduate from college with the highest of honours. He assured Mrs Thompson that she was still the best and favourite teacher he had ever had in his whole life. Then four more years passed, and yet another letter came. This time he explained that after he'd got his bachelor's degree, he decided to go a little further. The letter explained that Mrs Thompson was still the best and favourite teacher he ever had. But now his name was a little longer. The letter was signed... Theodore F. Stoddard, M.D. The story does not end there. You see, there was yet another letter that spring. Teddy said that he had met this girl and was going to be married. He explained that his father had died a couple of years ago and he was wondering if Mrs. Thompson might agree to sit at the wedding in the place that was usually reserved for the mother of the groom. Of course, Mrs. Thompson did. And guess what? She wore that bracelet, the one with several rhinestones missing. Moreover, she made sure she was wearing the perfume that Teddy remembered his mother wearing on their last Christmas together. They hugged each other and Dr. Stoddard whispered in Mrs. Thompson's ear, 
Thank you, Mrs. Thompson, for believing in me. Thank you for making so much a difference in my life and showing me that I too could make a difference. Mrs. Thompson, with tears in her eyes, whispered back, Teddy, you have it all wrong. You were the one who taught me that I could make a difference. I didn't know how to teach until I met you. The Bible records the story of the Good Samaritan. The story is found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through to 37, and you should read it for yourself. It's about a man travelling between the cities of Jerusalem to Jericho, who was attacked by a band of robbers and lay wounded and bleeding at the side of the road. A couple of religious people came by, looked at him, but passed on without helping him. Then came a Samaritan, a foreigner, someone whom the Jews despised. This Samaritan, as it says in verse 34, went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his donkey, and brought him to an end, uh, sorry, to an inn, and took care of him. That despised Samaritan made a difference. What he did, he did simply because he had compassion on the wounded man. There was no promise of reward or repayment. The Samaritan acted out of the goodness of his heart. Have you ever heard about random acts of kindness? This is where you do something nice to someone else, maybe helping them, maybe praying for them, maybe giving them a little gift or perhaps a smile. Perhaps you could say something nice about them, compliment them or congratulate them about something. It is to be done without fear or favour. It is to be done without expecting anything nice back. It is done simply because you want to make a difference. I know a man who rarely has something to say except complaining, complaining about his health, about the road conditions, about his neighbours, about his aches and pains, about the weather and about the poor deal he is getting out of life. And yes, I agree that he often is justified in complaining, but that doesn't fix the problems. Perhaps you feel that you've got plenty to complain about, but I want to suggest another way to help you feel better about yourself. Do something nice for someone else. Do it quietly, without any show, and do it without any expectations of getting something in return. When you do such a random act of kindness, it'll put a song in your heart and a smile on your lips. It will make you feel good about yourself and help you to forget about your own problems. Adopt a positive attitude. Look on the bright side of life. 
it'll do you good. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 17 and verse 22, is a very wise and pertinent statement, and it goes like this. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. People who have a positive attitude to life not only are happier, but they live longer. They're not always looking for a way out of their difficulties. They accept what life throws at them with grace and make the best of their situation. Maybe the neighbour's dog does get on your nerves sometimes. Instead of moaning about it, be glad you have ears to hear with. Maybe you have aches and pains to deal with. Be glad that your nervous system is working and that you can feel there's something not right in your body. Maybe when you look at yourself in the mirror you don't particularly like what you see. Be glad that God made beautiful flowers to admire to take your thoughts off yourself. Perhaps you are affected by adverse weather conditions. Be glad that you're alive and that the weather isn't always like that. My friends, today I've been trying to highlight what a difference you can make to others and to yourself by adopting a positive attitude and doing something nice to someone else. And above what we might do to help someone else along life's difficult road is what God has done for us, for us. Don't forget that. What God has done makes all the difference and it'll make a big difference to you when you take him into your life. That's all for today. May the good Lord fill your heart with joy and peace as you place your life in his hands and let him make the difference to you.
When Jesus came.